This is Workflow, episode 22. Workflow is the podcast that helps teams figure out the best way to work, collaborate, and get stuff done. Brought to you by Rindle. Hey everyone, I'm Brian. And I'm Tom. And we're the co-founders of Rindle, and this is our podcast workflow. Today we're talking about whether Gantt charts are dead or not. So what's, uh, what's going on, Tom? Uh, a lot of things, actually, yeah. So uh, we're making good progress on Gantt for Rindle, um, which, ironically enough, is perfect time for this episode. Um, we actually have gotten a little bit of customer feedback on some, uh, some early, um, early, like working examples of it, which is, is nice. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's coming along. It was great to kind of share what we're working on with some outside folks, especially customers and kind of get early feedback because it actually was insightful and opened our eyes to a couple of things. Um, and we have a, another one of those set up next week. So I'm, I'm excited about that as well. Yeah, and it actually has definitely um, changed some things, simplified some things, actually some thoughts that we had for, for the initial version, I think. And on top of that, actually, um, I was just prior to this meeting, I was reading uh, a little article about this iPhone trick that um, I have never heard of before, and it's pretty awesome, actually. And if you're like typing something and you like make a typo, like you know how it's typically hard to like, like you know, move the cursor back or wherever you have to go. Like it's, it's, it's a pain. So you can actually like press your space bar and hold it and you can, it, it turns into like a, a cursor navigator. Basically you can then move the cursor anywhere in the text box. How do you just move right from hitting, the space bar? You hit the space bar again. Nope. It, literally you just push and hold the space bar and, and it just starts moving. Like the cursor starts moving. So you can just move it around. How do you move it? With your finger, with like that, whatever oh, finger. Oh, so it just activates it, and then you can just drag it around instead of holding and pressing the old way where you have to wait for the cursor to pop up in between two letters or whatever. Exactly, yeah. You just move it almost like, uh, you know, uh, an old school, like, you know, finger pointer mouse type thing. Cool. Like just within the, the little, yeah. It's apparently, uh, it was in some mainstream news sources. It apparently was a tweet that someone put out that went viral. And it's just crazy that, like, this stuff's just like undocumented little features. I feel like. Well, I'll use that one for sure. Yeah. I, I probably can. That's probably one went, went viral, but uh, I'll probably use that on a daily basis. Yeah. I, I think I will too, actually. It's just really unbelievable. You know, I've had an iPhone for a really long time now and uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy to learn something <laughs> that changing. How did you find out about it? It was just some news article that I, on, that I was reading uh, on my phone, actually. It's like a top news story. <laughs> Pressing news. Yeah, pre this is a top news story. Uh, breaking news, everyone. Stop <laughs> where you're doing. Um, yeah, so it's pretty pretty cool. Awesome, so what's going on with you? Uh, yeah, not much. Um, one little productivity hack for myself that probably isn't, <laughs> isn't rocket science here, but uh, for some reason, I didn't know about it ahead of time and just really realized I have it, but zoom i was really complaining about the fact that i had to go to zoom and create my meetings from there 
to get it, you know, because it integrates from Zoom into the calendar, into Google Calendar. So that was my process. And either I missed it or it's something new, but I don't think it's new. Um, but they have a Chrome plugin and it just makes it a lot easier because now I can, it just puts a button inside my calendar that says make it a Zoom meeting. And I click the button and it just gives me a, a Zoom link. So a lot easier than going to Zoom and then integrating back to Google Calendar. So I kind of feel stupid because I think <laughs> that's been around for a while and I just missed it. Um, and I was actually complaining about it for a few weeks. <laughs> and then I finally, I think I saw something pop up in Zoom. That's why I thought it was new, but I don't think it was. Um, but I saw it pop up and I was like, oh, cool. That's what I've been looking for. And I installed it. It's a great little fix. Cool. Yeah, it just kind of shows how disconnected everything is, though, still, like, because, yeah, that's great for your web browser, like, when you're on your computer, but, like, if you are creating a meeting, you know, on your phone, you, you won't have that, and it's still going to be a pain, so. Yeah, and I, I kind of, I guess, assumed, because they say, oh, we have a Google Calendar integration, which I connected, right, when I first started my Zoom account, and I just kind of assumed it would work through that. Like it, like it would kind of be like a two-way integration, right? But the, all the integration does is just pass the event from Zoom to Google Calendar, and that's it. Yeah. So it's a one-time transaction. There's no talking back and forth. There's no, you know, going the other way. So. Yeah. I, I mean, we know a lot about integrations, and that seems to be uh, pretty pretty common that people tout integrations, and they end up being very uh, minimalistic, very simple. Most of my meetings I do are on my computer, so I think it will be overall helpful. And Zoom does have a mobile app, so I guess in a scenario of, of my phone, I'll be able to work around that. And yeah. I, I don't recall ever creating a Zoom meeting from my phone. I've, I'm accessed them from my phone, but not create one. So maybe it's maybe that's why they don't have it that way. But uh, yeah, sure. I don't think for me it's going to be an issue. So that's a good thing. Good. Cool. So before we get started onto the main topic, if you have questions, topics, or team scenarios you want us to tear down or talk about, um, certainly leave us a voicemail at 860-577-2293 or email us at workflow at rindle.com. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, and don't forget to also leave us a review. It helps us uh, reach more people and uh, it keeps us, keeps us doing this. Cool. So on to the main topic. So just to give a little background info today we're talking about Gantt charts whether they're dead and viable anymore and all these things if you poke around on the internet and look around a bit you'll find many different people talking about Gantt charts in general um, whether they're dead or not whether they're useful or not uh, in different scenarios um, so thought it'd be interesting to discuss and talk about it you know whether they are actually dead or not and whether they are useful we can kind of give some of our own opinions on this um, but before we get into that, I thought just giving a quick history, uh, well, starting out with what Gantt charts are, are actually, and if you haven't heard of them or used them before, um, we'll talk a little bit about what they are and get into their history a little bit, and then start talking about, uh, why they are or aren't viable. Awesome. Yeah. And I'll, uh, try to keep my opinions for the later portion of this. <laughs> why the later portion? Uh, no, because uh, obviously both of us have opinions about Gantt chart, and I mean, opinions have shifted um, as actually we've even done this project, and, and uh, it's really quite interesting, actually. And uh, yeah, so, yeah, I think your your take on this actually would be interesting. Um, yeah, because you, for one, have not really used them throughout your career, for the most part. Not not you know personally, like actually mm -hmm. use it and set it up as a tool. Not that you haven't been you know 
uh, involved involved with, with projects, the project yeah, that sure. had them or anything like that. Yeah, and I have actually used them, you know, as as a tool, right? So as a project manager, used it quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see your take on it. All right, so Tom, what is a Gantt chart? So yeah, so a Gantt chart is a type of bar chart that illustrates a project schedule. Um, so it's actually not your typical bar chart that is vertical. It's actually like a horizontal uh, bar chart. I, I mean, I, I guess in theory it could be, it could also be vertical, but it, it makes more sense uh, horizontal. And you have um, tasks that are to be performed and they're listed on the vertical axis. Uh, and then uh, time intervals on the horizontal axis. Yeah, typically those time intervals to actually scroll over, which is nice too. So if you're thinking about a stagnant bar chart, right, that doesn't really flow outside of the data set, um, or, you know, Gantt charts typically will go beyond that in time, right? So you can actually go beyond the tasks that are, are scheduled. Sure, yeah, uh, especially uh, on the internet, they, they definitely do that. But uh, traditionally, I, I, I mean, I guess when people were doing pen and paper, they really were quite quite literally charts, which is, I guess, why, uh, where they got the name Gantt chart from. Um, cool. <laughs> so the width of the horizontal bars in the graph uh, shows the duration of each task. So typically, you know, it has a start date uh, or start date and end date, or, or sometimes they just talk about start date with duration, right? So it basically has a period of time that that task lives. So let's say it's a couple of days. Uh, it'll actually be the width of those three days over time, over the time axis. Uh, so you can actually see how long that task will take visually. Yeah, and then there's actually typically multiple things that uh, can appear on a Gantt chart. So you might, um, you might see uh, the entire project laid out like as as um, one of the bars on the chart uh, so you can clearly see when when the project starts and uh, and finishes and then uh, you might also see things like milestones um, which are uh, significant events in the project uh, such as releases goals uh, or meetings and uh, finally obviously you'll see uh, tasks Cool. And I think one of the biggest uh, advantages of the Gantt chart is that you will see, like you mentioned, that entire project bar. You can see the entire project on the Gantt chart, uh, even if it spans a long period of time, which is cool. So it, it is really becomes that visual tool where you can start to see beyond just, hey, this is what we're working on today or this week or this month. Uh, you can actually see that three-month project over a visual chart, which is awesome. Yeah, and then uh, I think one other uh, really important thing to note here is, uh, and one of the things that really separates a Gantt chart from just you know a, a timeline is Gantt charts traditionally have dependencies um, where you can indicate on the chart itself like how uh, different tasks are related to one another. And not only just the tasks, you can also indicate how a task might be related to uh, a milestone or a series of tasks might be related to a milestone. Yeah, and also in addition to that on the modern Gantt charts today, you can also um, show the current status of that task as well. So not only what it's dependent on potentially, but also maybe percentage complete, for example. So you can show on that chart, uh, hey, it's 50% complete. Um, so you, again, just showing you more information in one visual view. Uh, also, sometimes it also shows a vertical today line showing you kind of where today or current date is in the timeline or of the project. Uh, as well as sometimes they have uh, a start 
or end line so you can easily see the start of the project then the end of the project um, so just again modern modern gantt charts have those kind of extra bells and whistles yeah and that that's really uh pretty cool when you want to at a glance see like well, well are we ahead are we behind where are we at with this this project right because if you can easily see um the status of, of tasks on the gantt chart uh then, then by looking at this line you can kind of really gauge like oh man we're we're slightly ahead or we're a little bit behind uh hopefully only a little bit behind um where we should be in the project so, so now that you know kind of what a Gantt chart is, if you haven't heard of it, hopefully that gives you a sense of what it is. Uh, if you do a search online, you'll be able to see lots of examples of Gantt charts. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the history, because I think the history is actually really interesting and also plays into, you know, why people think Gantt charts are dead or have an opinion one way or the other. Um, but they were developed by Henry Gantt back in the early 1900s. So we're talking about 100 plus years since this has been in existence for projects. So it's an old tool, right? So it's been around, it's kind of tried and proven and, and people still are using it today. So uh, it's got a pretty deep history. Sure does, yeah. So they were uh, first really widely used on large construction projects. Um, the example that they give is uh, the Hoover Dam, which started in 1931. and. Uh, then also they give an example of uh, an interstate highway network, which started in 1956. So really large, complicated uh, construction projects. Yeah, and they also noted that, you know, in addition to those, it's it's also noted it's being used as early uh, by the United States as World War One, and that's time frame is 1914 and 1918. So that goes, you know, way back. Um, even though I think the the first commercial projects were Hoover Dam and stuff like that. So, but it goes way back even to World War One days, which is which is crazy. Cool, yeah. And uh, actually, if you take a look at the book, Henry Gantt's book, which we'll, we'll link to, uh, it's actually, I believe, a, a free, completely free uh, book. Uh, it's from like the early 1900s and they show old examples of Gantt charts, uh, handwritten Gantt charts, um, within within the book it's pr pretty cool pretty cool to look at yeah it's really cool like for anybody who's a historian actually wants to go look at this stuff it's really interesting uh, just to even the way that they explain things and talk about work and organization in general but that that hand-drawn example is really cool uh and then also like even from that hand-drawn example it evolved into like where okay every time they had a change or, or something in the project which we all know happens all the time um they had to redraw the gantt chart right so they started to then get smart and say well let's not draw it out exactly like this let's use a little piece of paper to represent the task so we can move them around easily without having to redraw the whole chart so it started to become this kind of movable breathing thing um and that really led its way into as we get into software and all those things making it kind of evolved into the Gantt charts that we use today. Yeah, and, and honestly, it's really not too far different from uh, from the original way that they're out uh, today online. Obviously, software makes a lot of things and uh, in, in creating these a lot quicker and easier, but but the end product is, is really similar. Yeah, so now that you know what Gantt charts are, a little bit of the history, um, so are Gantt charts dead or not? So I think if you ask the agile software world, they will probably say yes. Um, if you're a, you know, many agile enthusiasts basically feel that Gantt charts are old school, 
uh, again, 100-year history, whatever, um, best used for manufacturing and construction projects and things like this, things that have dependencies generally, um, which in an agile world, that's exactly the opposite of how, how you work, right? It's very iterative and all those things. So, you know, I, I think that world itself is, is heavily favored on saying, no, you should not use Gantt charts. So if you start searching around, poking around the internet, uh, and doing some searches, you will find definitely probably a lot of agile enthusiasts kind of saying, nope, Gantt charts are dead, don't use them, they're antiquated and old. Which is really funny, I think, because uh, they will then in the same breath uh, tout something called a burn down chart, which if you really take a look at it is basically a Gantt chart. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's got some differences, obviously. And a lot of times the burn chart, the burn down chart, they're using only, let's say in Scrum, for example, they're looking at the sprint, right? So sure. they're looking at the burn down of the sprint, which is, let's say, two weeks long. Um, they're really looking at the overall progress made on that sprint, uh, basically just looking at general percentage. So, hey, we're, you know, 46% through roughly of all the work needs to get done so they can quickly gauge, are we going to finish this on time or not? Or what's going on? Um, but burn down charts definitely lack, you know, the idea of an overall schedule, of course, because they're only looking at a sprint. Um, so if that's a requirement, a burned our chart really won't do its job, right? Um, and it doesn't really take time into account outside of that small time interval. Um, so even if you were to expand out a burn down chart to cover, you know, 15 sprints, let's say, it's not going to give you any kind of time. What's what actually has been completed, right? It's more a general progression monitor um, saying that you, you're this much complete. Uh, and they also have burn up charts too that show you the opposite. Um, sure. But yeah, so uh, I, I think that is, um, yeah, a burn down chart is obviously uh, serves a different purpose. Um, but the purpose of a, a Gantt chart is actually more um, higher level than necessarily the, what the team is going to be using on a day to day basis. Um, and that's probably uh, why the hardcore agile people probably would think it's not super important because the day-to-day -day agile people are probably not the ones that would really necessarily benefit from an, uh, a Gantt chart. Yeah, I mean, agile in nature, right, you know, is is very iterative. Uh, there's not a ton of planning, even though there is some planning done, but you're not planning a whole project in upfront as you would in, like, say, Waterfall. Um, so they don't really don't see the need, right, because of the benefit of that chart isn't as great as a burn down chart, for example, because the burn down chart is really serving the purpose of tracking the sprints and showing progress. Um, but, you know, in the same breath, I think it's interesting too, because, you know, agile itself supports the idea of using the best tool for the job, right? And, mm -hmm. and very few teams, from my experience, at least, um, and I could be wrong, but I think you'll probably find most teams aren't running pure agile, right? There's always external scenarios that are changing the way that you have to actually run and you're running as as agile as you can so some scenarios will you know drive hey i do need to estimate this project out sure. because we're you know putting a proposal together and estimating the whole project even though you might want to run that project in a very agile you know iterative way um, i've been in those scenarios myself um, sure. you know so if you look at that you know and you really need to do that schedule and that estimation uh, and be able to have to present that to a client potentially, you know, a Gantt chart very well may be the best 
tool for the job in that scenario. And if you're an agile team, you should be open to that if that's your scenario, because you should be using the best tool for the job and a burn down chart as an example would not get that job done. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, they, they do have these uh, concepts of, of, you know, epics are planning like larger things within agile. And I, I mean, uh, having been on somewhat agile teams before, like even though you're heads down in, in some sort of two week sprint or, or week long sprint, like there still uh, is something that's going to be coming up after. And there was something that happened before and there's an order to things and mapping out that order. Uh, again, this is my opinion. Uh, absolutely could benefit from a, a Gantt chart. If, if you need to show that to someone. Well, also too, I think, um, sometimes you're not only just working with your team, sometimes you have external teams. So like even in Rindle, you know, we have the product team that's building the features and working on a product every day. And then we have the marketing team, right? Who is an external team, technically and internal to the company, but they're not part of the product team per se. They're not hearing and doing, you know, everything with us as we're doing it. So, you know, they might be running something differently than we run it, right? Maybe they're not pure agile, like we're running, or like we, we choose to run more of a Kanban style, right? So what happens when you need to communicate now with them what's going on, right? And when sure. it's happening and all these things. So that's another potential use case for the best tool for the job where it's like, okay, well, I need to have some kind of visual representation actually of what's going on for external teams because they're not living in our team right now. And though we're very agile and we're, you know, doing standups every day, you know, we have to be able to communicate what's going on with some external resources. So that again could justify a good use for a Gantt chart potentially. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, if you were to ask me uh, eight months ago or or so, I would probably say, yeah, heck with Gantt charts. There's better ways to do this, right? Or you, you don't need a Gantt chart. But honestly, um, after learning a lot more about them and uh, and also talking to customers who honestly get Gantt uh, has been by far the, the most requested feature um, that we get uh, for Rindle. Um, I, I think we can both certainly say that, uh, they're definitely not dead. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny actually, cause it definitely, you know, the feature requests and volume, right. Kind of kept this on our radar for a while. And, you know, me being a project manager by trade, I've used them in my history, um, to, to great effect and, and they're very useful the way I used to use them. Um, but you know, I think it took me a while to explain that, right? Because you had never really used them before. But, you know, between my pushing and also obviously talking to customers, like you said, and hearing the countless requests, you start to realize like, oh, even though I didn't use it, you know, people are using this and, and it actually makes sense, right? Yeah. Um, I think it, it does. Sometimes you got to look at the other perspective. But I think it was funny because I <laughs> we definitely had some interesting conversations about Gantt over the last year or so. Sure. Yeah, and uh, honestly, uh, the other thing is like now as Rindle is growing, um, and and we are trying to plan out like longer term roadmap for for the product and uh, for different efforts that are are not software related. Um, I can honestly say I see tons of uses for Gantt charts. Yeah. That's gonna make a great episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So. So yes, so you said basically the short answer is they aren't dead. Um, and I think beyond agile software development teams, there's lots of other types of teams using Gantt charts today, right? So, and again, a big voice, You'll in the tech scene in general, you hear a big voice about Gantt charts. 
Um, but if you look at other other areas like architecture, construction, manufacturing, even marketing, you know, they're alive and well uh, and being used by tons of teams out there. Um, so I think that in itself just proves that, you know, yes, it may not be best for agile teams in a lot of cases, and they may choose not to use them, um, even as agile spreads, you know, beyond. Um, but it's still extremely viable for multiple reasons. It's really, in the end, the best way to kind of see a project visually. Cool. Yeah. So, so why do Gantt charts get a bad rap then if, uh, if they clearly aren't dead? Um, and I, I think uh, that stems a lot from Waterfall, um, which maybe you can just give a quick overview of what Waterfall is. Yeah, so Waterfall is basically just, you know, the more step-by-step -step progression. Uh, it falls definitely in line with the dependencies that we're talking about, right? So you have usually phases of a project. Um, so, for example, if we're doing, like, a software development project, it might be, you know, a discovery phase and then a design phase and then a development phase and then a testing phase, right? All those things kind of progress over time. It kind of, if you map that out on a Gantt chart, for example, it would look kind of like a waterfall streaming down. Um, and again, I think that's, you know, waterfall is the way that software and websites used to be developed, right? When, when, when tech started, right? And we figured out, oh, cool, we can have this thing called the internet and the web and we can build stuff and have websites. The only thing that existed was waterfall stemming from the industrial ages and all mm -hmm. these other industries, right? That's just the way projects were done. Um, and it worked fine in the beginning. And then as we got smarter in tech and we got more collaborative and, and we start building more complicated software, you know, Agile was born basically. Hey, there's a better way to do it in this world, right? And we can we don't have to follow a step-by-step -step because sometimes we don't know exactly what we're building like a house, right? When we build a house, you know, we're gonna spec it out. We're gonna measure everything. We're gonna have to build the foundation first. There's no way around that. With software, that's not always the case. So Agile definitely is, is you know, potentially better in a lot of ways than Waterfall. Um, so I think that's where the bad rap comes from because again, the the tech industry is kind of saying, ah, we've moved on to Agile. This Gantt chart stuff's used for Waterfall stuff, so not for us. I'm looking at, you know, Waterfall as being antiquated again as far as the methodology is concerned. Um, so I think that's kind of where the uh, bad rap comes from. Yeah, and honestly, uh, I think it's not really justified because I think actually um, uh, Waterfall still has a, a place in even software development. Um, and, and honestly, I don't think I would probably have said that if uh, a couple of years ago when I, when I worked at, within agencies or even within um, other startups. But if you are really doing uh, some sort of very uh, structured project, or a series of structured projects that you have a clear understanding of like uh, timeline and exactly what needs to be done. Um, waterfall actually is, is probably going to be the best for it, right? Like agile, there are certain types of projects that are, are for agile and those are the, the projects that you need to be creative on and you need to be flexible and, and change really easily. And then there's certain types of projects which really are best suited for waterfall. And uh, honestly, you would you would probably be doing an, uh, an uh, injustice if you didn't fully really understand both and when to best use one over over the other. Yeah, I think a great um, measuring tool for that is if you know what you're building. Let's say in the software world, you're building a piece of software, like you're saying, and you actually understand what needs to be built and why, 
right? And it's a really strong understanding of what we're doing. You know, waterfall very well could be a fit, like you're saying. Also, even in, in any kind of planning or any kind of environment where you know or anticipating something of happen, to happen like in the future and you understand what those things are and you need to see that, that's always a telltale sign. You know, if you're really like agile world, like again, if you're really working in an agile fashion, you're concentrated in one sprint at a time, and then you plan the next one when you're done with the, the sprint you're working on, then you're not really looking to the future at all beyond two weeks, right? Or whatever your sprint sure. is. So, so yeah, I think that's a good, good point that it definitely is, you know, it's a tool, right? So it's like a tool in your toolbox. Yeah. Um, you can use And, and also... Yep. And also, I think that you, uh, you know, if you're running a project, you don't have to just use one or the other. Um, you can be flexible, right? So like, there could be certain parts of a project, which, which you do know exactly, like, say you're about to um, deploy a, a, an app to the app store, right? Like a, an iPhone app, like, it's really clear what needs to happen, right? You need to generate assets, you need to do this, you need to do that. And, and, it, it, you have a, a good understanding of how long each of those things take and what needs to be done. Like, even if you're running agile the entire time you're developing the app, like you could actually run the, uh, run the deploy, like, or the, the actual, like, uh, you know, final like sprint more waterfall. Like I, I don't see any issue with, with jumping back and forth. If, if, if there's like a, a need. Well, again, you know, best tool for the job. So I guess you would yeah. be right in that, in that sense. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, so here's how Gantt charts are useful. So whether we're talking about waterfall, agile, or whatever you might be using, or maybe you're using nothing, no methodology, right? You know, I think Gantt ch charts are hands down one of the best ways to schedule a project and see the project from a higher level. So like, if you just take that in itself right there, if you're dealing with scheduling issues, if you're dealing with sharing the project at a high level uh, to stakeholders or anything like that, Gantt chart is a great option. And I've used it like this myself, like I said, in, in the past where I'm trying to communicate complicated things to stakeholders and it just really wraps everything up into a very visual way that I can explain, hey, here's what we're planning to do. Um, but as a first kind of value point of that is you can see your entire project over time in a single scrollable view. So again, even when you think about a calendar, you know, a calendar changes views potentially from month to month, right? If you're looking and be able to actually see what's going on in a calendar, the Gantt chart allows you to kind of scroll over a whole project, even zoom in with software today um, and be able to see that whole project as a, you know, when you're looking at a high level view, see the entire project. As, as you kind of mentioned there, you can definitely create dependencies uh, that clearly show how, how tasks relate to each other uh, and which, which ones are dependent on each other. Um, there's actually like, a, we won't go into this in great detail, but there's actually like different types of dependencies and, and different use cases for those different types of dependencies. Um, and uh, yeah, it, w when you actually start creating those dependencies and, and when you start creating those higher level uh, tasks that uh, you know compose the project, that's really where then the power of modern technology really comes into play where then if, if you, something does get pushed out or, or like something take, is going to take a, like longer, like the Gantt chart can automatically adjust, right? Like, so back in the day, as you mentioned, like they literally had to redraw this entire Gantt chart, right? And then they finally, you know, started using like cardboard or whatever else to like represent the tasks so they could easily extend them. But with modern technology, it's, it's, it's seamless, right? Like you can extend it out and it pushes everything else out. Um, so yeah, it's, it's 
pretty awesome how uh, if you set it up properly, and again, it, it's time consuming sometimes to set it up properly. Uh, but if you have it set up properly, it can really be a great tool to visually show uh, like a project. Yeah. Yeah, I think that is one of the biggest use cases for me in the past, and, and we'll probably we probably are going to end up doing another episode about Gantz and how to use them and how we use them and all that stuff. But you know, I think for me, I always stayed away from dates because my my projects change so often mm -hmm. that to try to manage dates and update due dates and you know if you if we at the time we were doing more of a waterfall planning where we were looking at a whole project right and and we're mapping out dates for like a three-month project that's a nightmare mm -hmm. um and then you know adapting the gantt tool really solved that problem for me because it let me use dates so everybody can understand also what's going on and easily adjust them like you're saying um without having a fear of boy, I just hope this project doesn't change because it's going to take me two hours to adjust everything. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, you can pretty much with technology today, you know, like you said, drag it, all the dependencies kind of fall into play and adjust the dates for you. And um, it's, it's a huge time saver and, and just it's a game changer as far as scheduling. Awesome. So let's talk about some tips for taking action. So if you have any element of scheduling in your projects that you have to deal with, whether it's internal, external, uh, various stakeholders, uh, if you're not using Gantt charts today, definitely give them a try. Um, you know, it, like I said, it's a game changer as far as like updating and planning and, and communicating a project timeline. So definitely give them a shot. Yeah. And uh, I think I, uh, also be weary of Gantt chart software that actually make your life harder. Right. So, um, software that doesn't allow you to uh you know move stuff out like uh, like that are dependent tasks like easily like that that's it's going to make your life harder yeah and i think just from the level of execution too i mean you can track progress of work um in a gantt chart but a lot of times you know especially like rindle customers they like to move things through visual workflows as we do here at rindle um where you have kind of a step-by-step -step left to right workflow um, so making sure that if you are having those type of workflows, that it's easy to execute the tasks as well as plan them. And I think that's a key because you don't want to have to do like planning in your Gantt chart. And then when you're ready to execute in a project now, you have a whole bunch more work to do with data entry and importing or exporting, or whatever you got to do to make all that work for your team. Um, it should be seamless. Um, and the data entry is a big part because I, I used to have to do that. And even with an integration at the time, I was using a, a separate PM tool and a separate GAN tool and trying to make those integrate. And it was a nightmare because things, again, things just change so often. The integration didn't work 100% and it was just messy. Sure, yeah. And actually, I think uh, one other tip is uh, just be really mindful when, when looking at the software um, because like a lot, of, a lot of software actually fear... Uh, Gantt chart, the word Gantt so much that they like hide the fact that they actually do have a Gantt chart or Gantt, Gantt type capabilities. Uh, they just call it something different, right? Because they almost know how bad of a wrap uh, a Gantt chart is and they know it's a kind of a turnoff for, uh, you know, some project managers. Um, so yeah, I, I would say be a little mindful of that. Yeah, and, and also understand what they mean by whatever they call it. Like, so there's definitely a trend of like timeline being used now, right? And uh, timeline's not a new word or anything, um, but instead of using, like you're saying, the word Gantt, they're using the word timeline and timeline something new or better, right? Um, but be weary that, you know, 
those things may not be doing exactly what a Gantt chart will do. Yeah. They're actually a timeline, which is great and useful, uh, but it may not have dependencies and other things that you might expect from a Gantt chart, especially if you're you know, a savvy Gantt user. Um, so definitely, yeah, check out what they're actually offering uh, and, and make sure that you know, it, it is what you're signing up for. Well, I think that about wraps us up for the day. If you have a question for us, you can call it into our voicemail number at 860-577-2293, or you can email it to us at workflow at rindle.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Thunder Rock by Magic Studio used under Creative Commons. Subscribe to us on iTunes by searching for Workflow and visit rindle.com slash workflow dash podcast for a full transcript of each episode. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.